Hello. Hello. <laughs> Welcome. I'm, I'm Bay. And I'm Jay. And this is the part I don't get. What episode is it, Jay? 43. 43. Woo! We've made it almost to 50. Too bad we can't go out on the town once 50 hits. Oh, God. This, this quarantine, I tell you, it's getting to me. I know, it's getting to me too. I recently decided that I should find um, a psychiatrist as well as a therapist. And that was a whole rodeo in its own doing that. <laughs> I bet. Because of the whole quarantine, anytime you see any doctor, you know, everything has to be, you know, paperwork always has to be like digital and stuff, which I do appreciate because then it's fewer minutes that you have to spend in the office. But that is just like a whole you know, thing, because every computer has a different way of downloading the stuff and then a PDF versus a Google Doc versus a Word document. It's just nuts. It's nuts. Yeah, it's like, is this secure? You know, who's going to be yeah. reading this? <laughs> who's reading this stuff, you know, yeah. my address and everything. Yeah. Although I do appreciate it because like my other doctor's office that I go to when I, when I hurt my sacrum, my sacred sacrum, they like don't sanitize their pens at all. And I have to say, I do look sideways at it. I've noticed that at a few places. Like, I felt like when this first started, everyone was sanitizing their pens. And then then the other day, I don't know where it was. It might have been my, my doctor's office, but I was just like, hmm, I guess everyone's just using whatever pen they want. <laughs> I know, right? I guess I'll just make sure to put the hand sanitizer on. And I'm, I mean, it is next to a hand sanitizer bottle, but I mean, like, I you know it is the places where they're like, you know, clean pens, dirty pens yeah. kind of thing. And, um, and I know that I did that during the summer when I was working in an office and we had the clean pens and the dirty pens. And even I went to Applebee's in August when we went um, out of town and they even had a hand, a little sanitizer where you like slid the pen and like the little sanitation hole Oh, and that's cool. Check it out. And I was, I was, I was very impressed by Applebee's and their, Applebee's. their efforts. I would have thought they'd be pretty low on that. <laughs> to keep our hands clean. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm over it. I go back and forth between being over it and being all for staying home. I know I, that's obviously coming from a place of privilege saying that, but um, sometimes it's nice to be able to relax and sit at home and not have to worry about all the things that you have to get done. That's true. And time. Yeah. Sometimes it's like, I, I have realized, okay, maybe, <laughs> maybe slowing down was probably good for me since I was doing like 20 different things before this. <laughs> you are definitely an activities gal. Yeah. Faux show. But, but I think yeah. that it also brings joy. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like, you know, it's kind of forced me to find other things to do. Like while I'm at home like yeah <laughs> I expect one heck of a Christmas gift let me just say oh it's gonna be you're gonna be so warm <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna be sweating bullets <laughs> so I'm for for this week I guess we don't remember who went first last week but because you have something special at the end of the episode you have a special treat I'm gonna go first um and, you know, and talk about like mental wellness, like my topic has something to do with that. I was watching and I highly recommend this show on Netflix It's called Unwell. And I really hope you didn't see every single episode because I'm essentially because uh, no, I remember you stuff. telling me about it and it keeps coming up in my in my queue, but I haven't. It's such an interesting show. It's so worth the watch. And I'm glad you didn't watch it because I'm going to essentially <laughs> cover one of the topics. Um, kind of a la when you um, watched the, the Goop Lab show and yes. like you were intrigued by one of the episodes there. It was like kind of the same situation for me. Now, honestly, every single episode could have been a topic. Right. Every single episode. It was just like, wow. Actually, that, 
<laughs> that could that could like help me with the rest of the the year for our topics. Essentially, there's only like six episodes, and they do all the still. research for you. <laughs> I know they do. So I'm here just in case if you don't have the full hour, you can listen to me <laughs> tell it in 20 minutes. Um, so the thing about the documentary Unwell, so each episode is about different health modalities and they're all, they're all like on the alternative side, uh, different than like, you know, the average, like go to physical therapy when you hurt yourself or like, you know, your standard um, medicine. It, it, they all focused on kind of alternative health modalities and they told both sides to every topic they, they right. shared both pluses and negatives and then it's kind of like up to you to decide like whether you believe it or if you would do that um and i like that i like that it wasn't because a lot of times when you do watch documentaries and things like that yeah, it's, it's very one skewed and one side so You're i like oh I my like, mind's made up it's been five minutes <laughs> i know and i am i buy it hook line and sinker every oh, documentary. me too i'm like I, all right I, that's I'm it bandwagon. i'm out there protesting with them we're never going to that store again. We're done. You know. <laughs> so I liked that that it had both sides to everything, and um, some of That's them true journalism right there was a big surprise to me. And they had a lot of people who were both using the the therapies, and then they had scientists and doctors and practitioners and things. So it was very interesting. So the one that I'm going to do that. Um, spoke to me um, was um, bee venom therapy or bee sting therapy hmm, okay. um, is the part that I didn't get. Because... That was also a strange addiction. <laughs> oh, really? Yes. Wow. You have a crossover. Now that you mentioned it, I do think you mentioned, I do, now that you mentioned, I do think I know what you're talking about. <laughs> it's crazy how that show just finds its way back into our lives. I mean, that also is like the perfect show for me as well. It's such a good watch. It's a guilty pleasure for sure. But um, so it beasting therapy spoke to me personally, because like, I'm very allergic to bees. And I even got swarmed when I was young and ended up having to go to the hospital. Um, So like, you know, I had an EpiPen and the whole deal. I never had to use it. Thankfully, as soon as I got an EpiPen, I was like, so scared that I would eventually have to come across the situation where I would have to use it. I was more scared of the EpiPen than the B. Um, so <laughs> I, I probably would have been the same way. <laughs> so I haven't, I haven't been stung by a B in a long time, but um, the last time I did, I was an adult, which was many, many years after I had had an allergic reaction. And I was like freaking out. I was like, Oh no, it's just a matter of time. <laughs> but I ended up being fine. Um, so I thought that this was definitely something I didn't get why someone would elect to sting themselves on purpose, um, even if it is for medicinal purposes. So um, apparently it's apotherapy is an alternative therapy that relies on the usage of honeybee products. And that can be all kinds of things like the wax, the honey itself, the pollen. Um, but, you know, mostly they do also focus on the bee venom and they use it for treatment of human diseases. And it can be in, injected with like a syringe or it could be like directly stung. So what they do is they essentially take like, um, like, like little teeny tiny tweezers and then they like pick up a live bee and they position yeah. it on your body and they like, uh, like kind of like dab your skin with the bee until it stings you. And of course we know that this also kills the bee. Yeah. Um, which is kind of a bummer, well, not kind of, it is a bummer um, because we obviously need bees because they are pollinators and they, you know, provide, they provide a community service, if you will. Um, so they use bee sting therapy for things like, for example, skin care, which I was unaware of. And even celebrities use this. And there's like rumors that the um, royal family, like the British royal family did this like before they got married. Um, not the recent one, um, Kate, I think was the one that they were like implying that she had done it. Now, I don't know if that's true or not. Um, but 
They use bee venom in their skincare products and it's supposed to help with anti-aging similar to like what Botox would, would do. And if they just like literally apply the product to their face and like you would feel like a stinging sensation. And the reason why this isn't so great is because bee venom is extremely expensive because of how hard it is to get. And it's really hard to get enough of the bee venom to really make it count. Um, and uh, in the documentary, they had this clinical researcher, Dr. Sean Holt, and he said that they have done trials on the products of bee venom. And he says that it does, in fact, it, it swells up your face. And that is what kind of like gets rid of the wrinkles, but it only lasts for like 12, like up to maybe 12 hours or so. So it's different than Botox because Botox can last for months. Yeah. Um, but the reality is like when you're getting a skincare product and there are so many out there now that says like that it has bee venom in it, the reality is that there's not a whole lot of the bee venom in that skincare product usually enough to make a difference. So you'd probably be spending quite a bit of money for something that's not really going to be very effective in most cases. Um, whereas if you had like something that was more um, pure and more direct or had a higher concentration of the bee venom, then, you know, it could work, but it's so temporary. Like, I just don't know why I would want to put myself through a potential allergic reaction for that, but you know, <laughs> to each his own. But this trend um, has been around for like thousands of years because um, uh, especially in Asian countries has been used as medicine and then also in skincare. So like the idea is that um, when the bee stings you, you feel that pain and then your body will naturally release a steroid and um, other chemicals are released into your body um, in that area of the bee sting. Uh, so that you would have those positive side effects to relieve um, whatever was going on in that particular part of your body. And they have done medical studies as well, not just skincare studies. And there has been some positive results. Um, they've tested it for multiple sclerosis, Parkinson's, HIV, cancer, um, but few companies are willing to really invest that money in clinical trials that would be necessary to really prove this research. So there is some research, there is a little bit of research in this direction, and some of it has shown to be positive, but there haven't really been enough clinical trials um, for this to really be turned into um, mass amounts of, of medicine for people. Um, to show like the legitimacy of the benefits. So there are things that are promising about it and there's definitely a lot of potential, but nothing has been scientifically conclusively proven at this point, according to this documentary, of course. Okay. So a big part of the episode focuses on Lyme's disease. And Lyme's disease is a very interesting disease. I mean, we can have a whole topic about that because there's a lot of controversy around Lyme's disease specifically. Um, I was listening to another podcast. I was listening to the Wind and the Wave podcast and they had someone who was a Lyme's disease spokesperson. And he was saying how like, depending upon where you live and what insurance you have, like a lot of, they won't cover it. And it's like very hard to get treatment for it. Once you do get recognized that you have Lyme's disease, it is really hard to treat. It is really hard to detect and it imitates, it's called like the great imitator. Because yeah, it and, imitates, and there's a lot of false uh, negatives, right? For Yes. Because I it imitates- like an episode of like, like medical something, mysteries or something. It was like one of those yeah. ones that are really hard to, to figure out. <laughs> because it imitates a lot of other things. Like for example, like rheumatoid arthritis, yeah. because you can have so many different types of symptoms and side effects from Lyme's disease, depending upon what was in, what was a co-infection that the tick had when it bit you. Um, and this is really, uh, you know, it can be treated if you catch it very early with antibiotics and things like that, and, and then you'll be fine. But if it goes undetected, and let's say it's years and years later, it's much harder to, um, you know, to treat and to detect at that point. Um, 
Northeastern University. Yeah. Northeastern University said um, that the bacterium that causes Lyme's disease forms dormant cells, um, which are known to evade antibiotics. And then the actual test that the CDC recommends to use to diagnose Lyme, um, it checks for an immune response to the bacteria, but not the actual bacteria itself. So that's like what you were saying. There's a lot of tests that come back negative when people end up testing several times and then they end up having it. So it can be a very debilitating disease. And I just imagine like suffering for years, not having answers to what's going on with you. And then like doctors and insurance companies or whatever are not willing to give you the treatment that you need because there's really just no proof that you have it in the first place. It probably sucks on both ends. Right. So there was this woman on the documentary. She's the founder of something called the Heal Hive. And her name is Brooke. I think it's Jehan. It's G-E-A-H-A-N. And she um, essentially has like this Heal Hive center and does um, like kind of like almost like workshops. And she teaches people how to use bee sting therapy to help um, cure and relieve symptoms for Lyme's disease specifically, because she had Lyme's disease for several years and she was suffering. And then eventually someone showed her how to use it. And then, um, she got much better and she eventually kind of, I guess, in in a sense thought of it, like, you know, like that she has the ability to help people. So she should. And so she opened up the heel hive. Um, and then she just teaches them how to sting themselves um, she seemed pretty legit. She definitely looked like she believed in everything that she was saying. She clearly did suffer quite a bit and she looked very, very healthy at that point in the interview. And she does try and do like safety precautions. She requires them to have an EpiPen with them ready to go every time they sting themselves. And she requires them to get blood work done before they come to the heel hive. And then she tells them that they need to get blood work done like every few months while they're doing their own stings at home. Uh, She says that bee venom is a known antiviral and antibacterial and that the main ingredient, so to speak, in bee venom, which is melatonin, is the thing that helps because it destroys the bacteria of of the Lyme Borrelia cells. But you have so to that, keep doing it, right? Like you, I think you do is kind of what I was getting. So the people who came to her, like she had bees there. It was weird. She like had them like right there on the table. It was just kind of odd, almost like a centerpiece. Bees? <laughs> yes. Just like yeah. they were like in this little like octagonal hive. Uh, and then she, you know, had them sting themselves there and just taught them how to do it correctly. And, and um, then you know, you kind of go on your merry way. And the, the one girl, she ordered bees online and they were sent to her house. And then she did it like on her own. Um, she was very sad that the bee had to die. Um, yeah. But she was very sad about it. So, you know, everybody is sensitive in different ways, but um, at least she cared. And she like thanked the bee. <laughs> um So there's a lot of science against it specifically also because of like the amount of pain that you'd have to put yourself through and then like at the allergy. So um, it has the melatonin in it, which it's 40 to 60% um, melatonin. And that's like what really causes the pain and it's meant to destroy tissue. So when you've been stung and you experience that pain, your body will react and produce like the steroids, the anti-inflammatories, such as like cortisol. So they had this doctor who was a neurologist from Yale University. His name was um, Dr. Stephen Novella. And he says that it, it was, quote, a pretty dodgy approach when you could just inject the cortisol, end quote. So, you know, like, would you prefer to like sting your knee for arthritis or just like get cortisol injections you know (laughs) like it's like what's you know they kind of get the same result one is like you know it's on by a doctor versus one is you you got these bees on the internet and you're gonna just like kind of sting yourself with you know are more expensive right (laughs) 
I have no idea. That's one thing they didn't talk about, like the expense of this. Um, and he actually was, I thought what he said was very important because he was saying like there are standards in medicine for a reason and you have to make sure that like, you know, no one is being exploited because when someone is going through like that pain and desperation, they will turn to whatever medicine is there, you know, because they want that relief. And yeah. he's, and he was just saying that you have to really, you know, make sure that, you know, you're putting people's best interests in heart essentially. Um, and he said that like, you know, this has been researched for decades at least, and that the research is kind of stuck in the preliminary stages. So like the, the potential results that I mentioned before are legit, but there's, there isn't any really single proven treatment out there. And there's not a lot of pharmaceutical companies that are interested in this as a treatment for their, any products. So, you know, it's like, is it really worth it to put yourself through the pain? Is it really worth it to kill the bees? You know, it's kind of- Yeah, it sounds like a last, like last, uh, you yes. know, last resort type thing. And it did sound like that was, this, this was definitely the, the people who were at the heel hive. It sounded like this was very much their last resort, that they had all gone through years of different types of medications and therapies to try and help them with their Lyme disease and they were getting no relief. So, I mean, I could see myself if I was in that much pain and it was yeah, I mean, really it's better than like pain meds, you know, yeah. that people get addicted to. <laughs> yeah. And they were saying like, they were taking so many medications throughout the day, like, like dozens of medications every single day. And that's a lot. That's a lot. Um, it's expensive. It's time consuming. And then having all the side effects that just like ruin your digestive system and everything. It was, yeah. it was, I felt bad for them. Like, or I, at least I had a, I had a lot of empathy for them because that's just got to suck to not know what else to do. Right. Um, At that point where you're just like, I'll sting myself with the bee just if it makes me feel better. And then one, the last thing really was um, also a negative. I was unaware of this, but I guess it makes sense that even though like, let's say you've stung yourself a hundred times and you're not allergic to it, you can then sting yourself for like the hundred and first 101 time and then you can get a crazy allergic reaction and it what? can even cause you to die oh, and they had and i know and they had an allergist that said like you need a certain periodic exposure to the allergen in order to eventually then become allergic to it and like like for example like your blood pressure will drop really fast and that can even cause like a stroke uh -huh. And they mentioned a couple of people, um, or at least one person in the episode where this woman had been receiving it as a therapy for a very long time, like maybe not long time, but it had been consistent and she was fine. And then all of a sudden, you know, it just went sideways. And then I think, she, and she ended up dying. And then one of the people who was an apotherapist, she said that it had happened to her too. She's like, she stung herself a hundred times. And then one day just, you know, didn't go over very well. <laughs> So and she had overexposed himself or it's just a random. I don't know. I guess it's like your body. It might be an overexposure, I guess is probably a good way to describe it. But if you have exposed yourself to something a lot, then you still have the ability to be allergic to it suddenly. And it can seem like it comes out of nowhere. Or your body just all of a sudden, like just decides to attack it. Yeah. I was unaware of that. And they discussed that in other episodes too, with other types of therapies, but I didn't know that. Like, I know that, you know, they say that your allergies change throughout your lifetime, which is yeah. evident. Like when I was older, I got stung by a bee and I didn't have a really that very much of an allergic reaction at all. But I remember one time when I was younger and I got stung by a bee on my foot, my foot swole up so big. And it was like that for like days. Wow. So like, I know that like, you know, your allergies can change over time. And yeah. like, we had a friend, we have a friend um, who I think he was allergic to chocolate when he was young, but he's not anymore, you know? So like, I know your allergies definitely change. Don't they say like every seven years cycles or something? Buds, but yeah. Your taste buds. <laughs> well, yeah, apparently it's your allergies. Well, maybe they all change it together. <laughs> <laughs> So I know that, that things can be, can definitely change, but I think some of that's environmental too, but, but that was it. That was my topic. Wow. That was, 
that was interesting. Definitely, you know, I, it's good to know, I guess it's an option, but you know, as much as I'm afraid of bees, I do feel bad for the bees. <laughs> Not that I'm like- I do because we need honeybees. But yeah, but you know. Hopefully they got to live a long, happy life. I should have I should have interviewed our friend that's a horticulturist for this. Oh yeah. <laughs> that would have been smart. Oh well. Well, next time. We'll do that. <laughs> um, well, so my topic, uh, during this quarantine, you know, I've been watching a lot of a lot of reality TV. Well, TV in general, but like really just catching up on every, <laughs> every reality show that I had not caught up on. Um, so like the, and the more I watch it, the more I'm just like, okay, like some of this has got to be fake. Like what is going on here? Like I, it's just something that's always been in my mind. Like, you know, obviously I think it's kind of well known that it's not a hundred percent real, <laughs> most of it. Um, but my, the part I didn't get this week was how much of it is real, how much of it is fake and what kind of goes into like creating this just constant drama in these reality shows. <laughs> I think to myself, okay, if you took a film crew and filmed like me and my friends um, over a year, you would definitely get some good stuff. Uh, <laughs> definitely some good stuff. Well, assuming, assuming we acted like the camera wasn't there and like we were on our normal behavior, but but, you know, it's interesting that you say that because they've even um, studied something as small as, I want to say bacteria, but I'm probably saying the wrong thing, microorganisms. Uh -huh. And they move differently when they're being videotaped and what? when you're watching them. You so think it's, my husband, you think it's because they feel like, is it something with the... Oh God. I don't, like, it's been proven that yeah. when something is being observed, it acts differently than when yeah. it's not being observed. Well, it's like and you feel like, need to perform. Yeah. Yeah. Essentially. But even in the microscopic level, that's still that's happening. really interesting. Now, I am bastardizing that. I, don't, I, can't remember, <laughs> I cannot remember if it's bacteria, a microorganism. It's a very small. Something very small. Of a live <laughs> And they show them they move in a different direction when they're being videotaped versus when someone's not watching them, when they're not being observed. Probably like, mm -hmm. they're probably like trying to get away from it. <laughs> like, I don't is... know. Yeah. So, so, I mean, it would literally be impossible for you to not act differently when you're being videotaped yeah. unless you were unaware. Yeah. So, and my thing was like, okay, most of these shows I watch pretty much every episode, there's like something that's like, you know, they obviously have to keep up the ratings. They have to keep people watching. So, you know, how much is goes into making the drama versus how much can they pull out of people? Um, because, you know, I think for most people, there would be some points that'd be watchable, but like, I think most people would get pretty bored after a while if it was just like, <laughs> like someone's actual life, you know, without any sort of manipulation yes. or thing behind it. So, um, be like I, freaking Big Brother After Dark. Yeah, exactly. Oh that I've watched it, and it's something else. It's literally them like eating. Yeah, it's nothing. It's nothing exciting. And yet, it's still a show that it's somebody still watched. I've watched it. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I had the pleasure of interviewing um, someone named Rachel, who has worked on several different shows. Um, and well, she'll kind of explain that in the interview. Um, and, you know, I got to ask her directly about these questions. So I didn't have to do any research. <laughs> so much easier and more fun. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Yeah. So I guess we so will we'll play interview now. Yeah, we'll play the audio clip for you guys now. So that you guys can enjoy Jay's um, best impression of James Lipton, <laughs> the actor studio. Do you know that he died this year? I didn't know that. But um, know okay. That. All right. So we'll play it now for you guys, unless there's <laughs> anything else that you want to add. No, just <laughs> this is different for us because we've never done an interview before. <laughs> I don't know what to say. All right. Okay. 
Okay, so let's get into the questions. I am here with Rachel, who has worked on several shows. Um, so I'll, I'll let you tell me. Um, <laughs> so tell me about the work that you've done in reality TV. Sure. So I started way back in, oh gosh, I want to say 2000. Seven is when I started working in reality TV. I graduated college with um, a degree in like motion pictures and graphic design. And um, at the time I wanted to become like the next Jerry Bruckheimer, but the only things that were hiring were reality TV shows. And added on top of that, I lived in Miami at the time. So I needed to find something in Miami. Okay. And I found uh, a lot of work through reality TV with like Jersey Shore, the season in Miami, <laughs> or I did a couple episodes of So You Think You Can Dance during their casting oh, process. Nice. Um, I've worked on a show called Fairy Job Mother, which was on, uh, oh gosh, it was on Lifetime Network. Um, I've worked on The Biggest Loser um, for the, their stage performance of like when they do all the weigh-ins and stuff. Um, I worked the red carpet at the Golden Globe several times. Wow. And what else have I done? Um, I worked on a show called Tattoo Nightmares. On oh, okay. I think I've seen that. <laughs> uh, that was a fun show to work on. Uh, what else? I'm trying to think. I know there's did, more. Did you say Dancing with the Stars too? No, uh, okay. I wish. Okay, <laughs> I'm getting no, the dancing shows confused. I worked on uh, So You Think You Can Dance, which okay. uh, was um, during their casting process. They would go to different cities. Okay. Um, and I worked for two seasons of their casting in um, other cities. Like I worked in Miami and then I worked in Chicago and Tennessee. Okay. Wow. So you've done quite a lot of reality <laughs> TV work. <laughs> yep, I have. <laughs> wow. So was it like... I mean, I obviously it was kind of the last thing that was hiring, but like, did you like it? <laughs> Sorry, I, I'm adding that one in there. <laughs> yeah, it was, it's definitely a lot of fun. It's very different because reality TV, a lot of people think that it's completely scripted mm -hmm. for a lot of the shows and it's surprisingly not. Um, it's a lot of figuring out what the story is going to be based on what we shot. Okay. So it's figuring out, okay, well this happened today so we need to go ahead and make a storyline out of this and okay. that's what things like associate producers and story editors do um and they actually help create the show okay so you were your title is producer no <laughs> again oh. <laughs> um no my my title was i started out as a production assistant okay. um and then i've been a casting assistant which helps with casting um and then i've been a production coordinator which handles all of the on-set production for the show um i've been i've been a associate producer which helps with the storylines and things like that and then that's as high up as i got okay and above that there's like senior producer and then like the showrunner producer and things like that okay all right cool um, so tell me a little bit about the casting process. Like, what do you look for when you're casting people to be on these reality shows? Sure. So I worked on different reality shows. I did like the, the, so you think, you're, so you think you can dance, um, for casting specifically. And essentially what happened is that's an audition process. I don't know if you've ever seen the show. Yes. Yes. Love the show. Yeah. It's like American Idol where they do the whole audition process beforehand. Right. With like multiple steps. Right. So we basically would, um, when we were looking for people, we, we looked for obviously people that could dance and had <laughs> that um, that awesome ability. And then beyond that, we also looked for people that had a story that we thought could connect with the audience. So that was definitely something that I know focused a lot on casting mm -hmm. of just figuring out and doing a lot of interview questions. Cause we have no idea for all the people that are coming in for these casting bit like big huge casting calls like that we don't know anyone that's coming in like we don't have a pre pre like casting process or anything mm -hmm. it's literally we're finding everything out that day so we would essentially bring them all in and they go through several rounds of interviews like it's mm -hmm. an all-day interview thing and then they actually come back the next day in order to um be interviewed and, and dance in front of the judges and everything like that. So um, it was always just figuring it all out at once, which was really fun. Um, I really enjoyed casting um, a lot more than I did uh, actual production. Right. So, yeah. so with, so you think you can dance, it was, they interviewed them first and then they danced, like they wanted to get their story first. 
Yeah, I mean, so uh, technically, I don't think I'm allowed to like fully okay. state our or whole in, in general. <laughs> right. Um, but in general, on big reality shows where it is those audition processes, what uh-huh. happens is um, you have a major casting call, which they do for like the entire city, and they invite anybody to come and you go through rounds. So you actually audition for. Um, like lower level producers first before you ever get to the judges. So we make cuts way prior to anyone that you see on TV. Because if we didn't, it would literally be like six weeks of right audition tapes. Yeah, people would be really bored. <laughs> I mean, the audition process is a lot of fun, but yeah, it's it's a lot. Yeah, because I bet you never know who you're going to get and what kind of story you're going to get. There are so there were so many surprises of stories, and usually the surprises of stories were the ones that do get focused on on the show like yeah. when those people came in it was like a big alert of oh god follow this person and it was very cool. <laughs> like a red flag or yeah 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 because i'm like well what if i had like the best story but then i get in there and i'm a terrible dancer like <laughs> right it's, it's tough to work with that i guess or i guess maybe you know find another show for me to be on. yeah um i guess like in terms of other reality shows not with like dancing involved. I, I guess it's kind of the same thing where you just interview them and you have an open casting call and then just, just right. Their, so their for story. a lot of so the other shows that I've worked on where I've been sort of involved with the casting process, like I was working on the casting process for Undercover Boss, oh, and cool. for Undercover Boss we actually contacted like I was helping with finding the CEOs that we wanted do it. Yeah. So it was a lot of contacting um, like the PR firms of those big, huge companies and being like, hey, would they be interested at all in doing this? And then that from there, once we got the lead in of the CEO that wanted to do it, then we would go down and then figure out the people that would we would feature on the show. Okay. Um, for other shows that I worked on, let's see, I worked on a show. Oh, what was it called? It was called is she really into him on MTV? Is she, really, familiar. Is she really, go, is she really is going, she going out? out with him or something? Yeah, because yeah, it's like that song. Yeah, it's the douchebag guys dating like the cute, innocent girls. Yeah. And literally what I did is I went out to clubs and I would find these guys and be like, hi, do you want to be on reality TV? And wow. I would reel them in and send them off to my casting director. And that was my- <laughs> wow. That's yep. really funny. You're like, you look like a douchebag. Come on over. Essentially, <laughs> that was my opening line for a lot of them. And they were like, sure. Yeah, I mean, shoot, I'm sure that's everybody's dream. Like, well, not everybody's, but. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So that's, and um, so how important is physical appearance for these shows? It depends on the show, honestly. Yeah. It, really I just, it seems like a lot of the shows I watch, these people look like they could be models. And I'm like, did they just, you know, did they just find people with like that were Instagram yeah. influencers or? <laughs> yeah, for certain things, for sure. It really, it, they really want like people that are beautiful that people want to look at. Um, right, right. Just like with regular movies and shows. Exactly. So yeah, so for certain things like that, for sure. But like other shows, they specifically want different type of people and regular people even right like obviously biggest loser they want bigger people (laughs) right like they have to be a specific body type and size and like i know for um like tattoo nightmares and stuff like that like they didn't cast based on looks like they they honestly cast and i wasn't involved in the casting process with them but i'm pretty sure that their process was um just finding a unique story of why they got the tattoo and then from there that's how they got the people on the show Okay. Okay. And just like, hey, you have a terrible yeah. tattoo. Let's. <laughs> yeah. Or you have an interesting story of why you have this terrible tattoo. Yeah. That's. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um. So, can you tell me a little bit about the process before the filming begins? Like, does everyone kind of mm-hmm. sit down and meet? And is there some sort of I, I'm not a table read, but something equivalent? Sure. Like in, so I, yeah. there are. Yeah, so there is a whole pre-production planning period that goes into before an actual show starts to shoot. Um, From what I remember, I would say we probably were in pre-production for about two or three months before we actually went into physical production for some of the shows that I coordinated on. Mm -hmm. And so that means just 
like specifically for those shows, it was finding a location of where we can actually shoot, um, right. finding, helping finding the casting and then finding any of the other rules and regulations that like were required about shooting in different cities or shooting at different like, uh, locations. Cause there's all these film permits that you have to fill out and yeah. get it all approved and things like that. And then like for certain shows, like you need to have like set medics and, and all these other. Oh things yeah. Anything physical activity, I would think. Right. Yeah. So you need all those other things involved and it's also like hiring crew and figuring out what crew you want to hire and kind of going from there. And then like the casting usually happens simultaneously or like if it's a smaller show, not like a show where it's without so it's not with a show like Jersey Shore mm-hmm. it's obviously the certain characters that are on it that makes the show right so those shows they specifically do everything around the characters and and, and things like that right some of the reality shows like fairy job mother that I worked on or some of these other smaller reality shows that aren't really that you don't follow the same people the whole time mm-hmm. it's about finding um you, you cast as you pre-production the show so it all happens simultaneously whereas the other shows it's like all of this stuff with getting those people signed on to do the show first and mm-hmm. then once you have that then you go with all the pre-production planning okay yeah because I noticed like some shows you know they'll kind of a new person will come in and they'll be like oh yeah you know they'll show them meeting and I'm like is this really the first time they've met like was there you know or are they just kind of doing that for the camera. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes they do. Like, honestly, I can, I can definitely tell you for the shows that I specifically worked on, we never had a physical script of, Hey, this is what's happening. Right. Have there been rumblings and people in the industry that I've talked to where they have a physical script? Yes. Wow. Um, <laughs> it just depends on the show. Yeah. Um, and those obviously are more scripted to be a certain way, but Mm -hmm. we would just, for the shows that I worked on, there was, there's just a lot of producer talking to the the characters that are on Mm -hmm. the show and asking them to repeat lines that they said during like their normal conversation. So like they would be talking and one of the story producers or associate producers would be like, hey, that's something that we can use to make this story go this way. Mm-hmm. Have them repeat that and then have them start to talk about that. And then that's something that they take notes. And then during like the actual interviews with the cast members later on that you see like the single shot head of them talking. Right. And the producer goes back and asks them those questions about that thing that happened before. Okay. And I don't know if you can tell me this, but is this, do they film that all in one day? Because I just always notice they always have the same outfit. <laughs> like, <laughs> usually, yes. Usually, those are filmed at a different time than what it right. all happens. Right. Because I'm like, man, I was I was thinking like that would take a long time for me to go back and remember everything that happened and narrate it as if it's like happening now and how I'm feeling during that moment. But I, yeah. I guess that's why it, the producers. That's, <laughs> yep. So we make them wear the same outfit for those interviews and all that stuff and like. I know for certain shows that I worked on um, that were going over like a couple of day span in the shows, mm-hmm. we would make the the people, the contestants, whatever, wear the exact same outfit right. the time that they were there on camera. And they would have been filming for like a week, but it was really only like oh. two or three scenes on, on the show itself. Okay. Okay. Um, do you look for certain, if... I'm trying to think of a way to ask this more generally. If it's a show where it kind of revolves around people and drama, do you tend to look for people that are more likely to cause drama in the casting? I'm sure. Like, so I was never in like the high levels of casting. Yeah. Um, But if I were a high level casting person, yeah, I would probably look for those types of people that cause the drama. Or that are much more verbal and... Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, if it's somebody just like me on reality TV, nobody's gonna want to watch me. Uh, me too. I'd be like, mm-hmm. every yeah, now and then you might get me, might get a good scene, but you know, I'd right. be like, I'd be like, people are gonna see this. I don't want to <laughs> put my yeah. foot in my mouth here. Exactly. Like now, just- if it was a hidden camera, that's a whole nother story. But <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Okay. So, sorry, I think I kind of went backwards a little bit with the casting, but okay. And then, so sometimes they, sounds like sometimes they meet each other, but sometimes it's more, it really is the first time they're meeting. Um, so you kind of touched on this earlier, but I, and it sounds like it depends on the show too, but can you tell me about like what degree of reality is fake versus what is yeah. real? <laughs> so it really, like I said, it really depends on the show. Yeah. Um, every show that I worked on, we never had a script or anything like that. We did have producers and associate producers and things like that tracking what happened yeah. as we were shooting for long periods of time. And then from that, they helped create the story that we were going to film. Okay. Um, we did have instances where we will insert things like you're going like if it's like a group house show and like you're going on vacation somewhere like yeah. we would do specific things like that to get yeah. some other aspect of something but that was mainly it with with shows like were, which were the big competition shows mm -hmm. those were literally the only thing that were scripted with the big competition shows are what the judges say like to the contestants to open up and yeah that's about it the rest of it that's all a hundred percent real from my experience okay well that's pretty cool because yeah because i'm like some shows i'm like they can't possibly have a fight every single time they get together i mean obviously it's not every time but i'm like wow like i thought my friends and i had a lot of drama but <laughs> just like what are they giving these people <laughs> but okay especially when it gets to like the physical fighting and i'm sure some of that has to do with like if they're drinking and stuff like that but <laughs> So can't really say more on that. But yeah, yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, I know. I don't want to get you in trouble. Um, so, okay. So it's okay. So it's not scripted and it's not, it, it's never like pre-planned. Like this is what's going to happen. It's more like, from my, yeah, from my experience, it was never pre-planned even on like the bigger, like the bigger shows that I've worked on. It just, mm -hmm it was really like we would film them and figure out a story based on what we filmed. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And then, you know, I, I noticed with certain shows, probably more Bravo shows, but there's always some sort of Twitter war that like happens like yeah. when they're not filming and then that gets referenced in the next season and then they're all hating each right. other. <laughs> like certain, certain production companies that produce these shows have their own way of shooting a show. Yeah. And so I'm sure with different Bravo shows versus different MTV shows or VH1 or Logo or I don't know, any of them, they're all 100% different how they work and how right. they decide to do it um the majority of stuff that i worked on was all with like paramount paramount networks or the viacom networks so like okay. mtv vh1 spike all of those um so they were all kind of similar in how they did things yeah but i i i'm pretty sure with like those of like the beverly housewives of the world mm -hmm. i i have a feeling that they definitely figure out some other things to throw in there oh, too. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> it was like a cat fight every week. <laughs> but at yeah. the same time, yeah, like I would imagine that probably puts pressure on you guys. Like, okay, well, what if they had a great week this week and there was no drama and the ratings go down? <laughs> right, exactly. It's a lot of figuring out, okay, well, what can we, not what can we do to entice drama, but what can we do to create some form of storyline? Right. Like, what can we talk to them about to get them to want to do something else, you know? Yeah. It sounds like there's a lot of psychology involved. There is. There, there definitely is. There, on a few of the sets that I've worked on, um, we've had to have, like, psychologists on set with us in wow. case things happened. Um, but that was for specific, like, a very specific genre of show. Yeah. Any sense without me saying it yeah okay no that yeah that makes sense it's probably good i mean probably. yeah i mean it was it was good it was good to have at the time and the contestants had no idea that that was there and yeah yeah wow okay that's pretty yeah because it's like you really have to get into their mind and kind of get them to open up to you and you're probably i guess a stranger or you know only know them so well and then you're also getting into the following them into their house or not you per se but you know the, the oh I was in several people's houses <laughs> oh you were oh okay oh yeah 
Wow. <laughs> yeah. We would come, like, when we, when I always felt so bad, whenever a production comes into your house, whatever you do, don't ever let a production come into your house. Like, <laughs> no. they are still, like, we are nice people. We are totally nice people. But, like, the amount of people going in and out of your house and, like, just doing stuff everywhere is ridiculous. Yeah. And getting so, the right shot and, and the lighting. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So it's like, but, and then they talk about the, what do they call it? Um, when the camera kind of becomes invisible, like they forget they're there, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like they they, that's what you want, I guess. Cause then they, they let their walls down a little bit. They're not like all, you know, <laughs> on their best behavior. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Okay, that's really, that's really interesting. Yeah, because I always forget that there's even a producer there until they show like kind of random scenes where, you know, maybe there's some drama with the cast member and the producer. And that's yeah. interesting. Yeah, sometimes. Usually, so like if you are shooting a house type show um, mm-hmm. where you have contestants living in a house or something like that, there's usually like a whole control room that is attached to whatever house there is where there are like six or seven producers. There's the main director of the show. There's the showrunner of the show. Like everyone is in there kind of coordinating stuff happening. Wow. But when you're on a show that is like small and you're like following somebody in their house or something like that, it's usually just, or like if they're on location somewhere, it's usually just like a camera operator, um, the B camera um, or the ca- or the cam op, I forget what they're called right now. I'm blanking because I'm on brain. Um, <laughs> That's okay. It, 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 yeah, they're their camera assistant essentially, and then usually a, a producer, um, and then a PA, and that's it, which is a production assistant, and then that's it. Like that's all that's there, which is crazy when you think about it because they're doing so much stuff as they're like maneuvering around like in a club or something like that. Right. Like I'm always like, how in the world, you know, (laughs) for shows like that, it is, it is ridiculous because like I've worked on several of like, because I did like real world and like all of that too. And so like, there's a lot of um, like when they're going out in clubs and things like that, just securing the club and then making sure everyone that is in the club while we're shooting realizes that they are being filmed on camera and getting everybody's release to be on camera right that aspect of it is insane like literally you have a pa with a backpack filled with like photo releases that they're just literally handing them out to people having them sign shoving back in their backpack and like taking pictures of them jeez and that's just one person doing all that yeah it's it's nuts that's crazy. Yeah. So it's, it can't really be, I guess, like on a show where they're like, let's go to this bar all of a sudden. Does it have to be somewhat premeditated? To- yeah. Anything okay. like that is totally premeditated because you are going out into the public where you are with other people. So you have to get the approval of like the business owner of where you're filming. Oh, okay. um, you have to get approval. Like a lot of times you have to get, we had to get approval of like landlords and things for like buildings in general. Um, and then you, you have to get releases of everyone that's going to be on camera that's there. And if you don't have a release, uh, like of their permission to use their image on camera, then you, that's why you see like some people are blurred out on reality. Right. Um, it's because they didn't give their permission. Right. It always surprises me because I watch, I watch a lot of um, like, uh, well, it's not on anymore, but um, live PD Mm-hmm. And um, they'll be like, don't film me, don't film me, I want to be on camera, but you'll see their face. So I'm like, they signed a release then. They signed a release, yeah. <laughs> and they like, while they're being arrested, I'm like, why on earth? <laughs> and I've never understood. I never worked on one of those shows. I've had friends that have worked on those shows. And like, some of the precautions are intense. Like, they, yeah. they wear bulletproof. Yeah, I saw they wear bulletproof vests. And- uh-huh. Yeah, especially with COVID and everything. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's ridiculous. And I also have had friends that worked on like deadliest catch and all that stuff. Oh my gosh. And yeah. they, they, the training that they make the, the camera crew and like the producers and anyone that's on the boat with them is the exact same training that like the deckhands get in case they like fall in the water and all of that stuff. Yeah. That's smart. Cause yeah. uh, have they yeah. ever, they haven't ever had an incident like that though, right? Oh, I'm sure they have. <laughs> I'm or, sure. Yeah, nothing like super serious, hopefully. Nothing, nothing, like nothing that I've heard of that's super serious, but yeah, I've definitely heard of a few cameramen falling in the water um, because the boat just got a whoop. with the wave, yeah. Yeah, oh my gosh, that's, that's scary. Um, yeah. 
Wow. Okay. So, all right. Well, that's, that's really, that's very interesting information. <laughs> it's like, it's just, I mean, your hours must have been insane and you're- They were. They were. I would usually, depending on the show, I would work, like I used to always try to go for the day shift instead of the night shift. Yeah. I knew the night shift would be insane because that would involve going- all the bars and all the craziness. Yeah. Typically for the house shows. Yeah. So I, um, I think my hours were about like 7am to 7pm, um, is usually what our hours were. And wow, it's like a, like a nursing wow. shift. <laughs> yeah, essentially. And then I, I, it would, depending on the show, they would either have us work like five days a week, six days a week. I mean, some, for some shows I would work 10 days on and then I'd get four days off. Okay. It really just depends on the shooting schedule, honestly, for the show. Yeah. yeah. And would you just stay in a hotel or like on set? So yeah, when I would, depending on the show, um, when I was on a traveling show, they the production would put us up all in a hotel and we would have each our, our own rooms and, and everything like that. Um, when I was on some of the house shows, I actually lived in the city that the house show was shooting in. So I just drove home after work Um, but for like all the producers that came in from Los Angeles for those shows they all were put up in hotels and um some like were Airbnbs and things like that that they that they took yeah do you do you find that since you're so involved in these people's lives do you kind of become like friends with them or does the the other crew like do you form like yeah so there's no bond like a production crew bond like it's really like because you're working with these people like essentially 24 7 so it becomes another family because so many people are like away from their families and shooting all this stuff with the production crew so you you definitely form some very close friendships there is a lot of drama sometimes between crew members because of that um but maybe that needs a reality show (laughs) i've always said there needs to be a reality show about the production reality show (laughs) i think they did like some fake um tv show on like we or something that was like uh, totally about that it was was about like shooting something that was like the bachelor but it was all about the production oh um unreal right yes yes yeah oh my god I loved that show yeah because I was like I wonder it seemed like they knew like whoever wrote it probably was really you know I would argue that it was real like that's the pretty realistic drama sometimes that happens behind the scenes yeah on tv I know I was like I need to rewatch that show it's really good (laughs) but yeah no the production like I still am friends with several of the people that I worked in production with um I don't work in it anymore um because I started my own thing but that's neither here nor there but I know I almost asked you like what you do now but I don't want to I I work in the book industry so I'm totally okay (laughs) I was gonna say you're you know your mom now you're like I want to settle down let's nine to five here (laughs) yeah that's something you can probably only do for so long yeah I mean I know there's a lot of people that are like married and have kids and and work in in reality tv and production still like and I don't know how they do it they must have amazing nannies (laughs) Um, because the hours are nuts and insane. So it's just wow, a little crazy, but yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, okay. So last question, because I know you've got to, um, get going soon. Um, why do you think we are so drawn to reality TV? (sighs) Honestly, I think it's a lot of the drama that you want in your own life, but don't actually want to be involved in. Yes, so, that is a great answer. <laughs> I mean, like, I am a huge 90 Day Fiance fan. Oh my God, me too. Oh, I love the show. Um, And I know, like, it's just, I can't stop watching it. I know it's a train wreck sometimes. Yeah. And it's just, I just can't look away. And it's just such a nice, like, especially now that I'm a mom, because I have a, I have a nine month old. And so, like, it's literally <laughs> such a nice thing to just kind of, oof, yes. and not even think about, like, babies or anything. It's like totally disengaged. Yeah. Yeah, Totally disengaged and not be involved in it. But yeah, I think it's, I think it's honestly the drama that we wish we had in our life, but didn't want to actually be involved in. And then I know with like production and and why they keep producing them is because it's so much less expensive to shoot a reality show than it is to do a full fledged crazy production set. Yeah. I've heard it's much cheaper and it's easier 
It's a lot cheaper. Some of them are getting more expensive depending on the show, but it's definitely like the cost to go ahead and throw together a reality competition show is really like yeah (laughs) like uh we were watching there's like a dodgeball show on now and it was like filmed during covid because they're all wearing masks i'm like oh my god i didn't think anything was filming right tlc is like being brilliant and they're doing like this love and quarantine thing oh yeah doing it's essentially they're doing a reality show with zoom like it's just yeah like they're the the people are filming themselves like yeah it's and they did that they actually did that with 90 day fiance too they actually had them all film stuff randomly during quarantine and then their story producers put whatever they sent together oh, into okay. a story yeah it's called 90 day fiance quarantine and it's oh, quarantine yeah yeah i've seen some of that well it's and funny. because even during i think it's the darcy and stacy show i think is when quarantine hit and then all yeah. of a sudden i noticed that the camera angles changed and got further yeah. away and and kind of became not very good so i'm like okay i guess this is where like covid right. I'm not sure, like, I don't know how all the reality shows are doing it now. I know for, like, big productions, um, like, they're getting tested, I want to say. Like, especially the actors and stuff that are in proximity, like, they're getting tested daily, depending on everything that they're shooting. Um, And I think, like, most crew on, like, unionized sets, because there's unionized sets and then there's non-union sets. Oh, okay. Yeah, union sets are usually better to work on. Um, I would think so, yeah. A little more. The pay is better. And then it's also like, it's um, it's just a better environment sometimes. Um, yeah, it's just, so those sets, like I know the, like the crew I think is getting tested every week. Okay. So okay. yeah, they're taking all the precautions from what I've heard from friends. Okay. Yeah, I know on Love Island, like they were saying they had to be in quarantine for 14 mm-hmm. days and then they all got tested. And then I guess, you know, they're just kind of in that little bubble together. Yeah, they're sh- Yeah, they're, they're forming a lot of these bubbles. And yeah, I guess we'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's. Yeah, no, I think that's really true. Like, it's like we, we like the drama, but we don't want to be involved in it. And I, I kind of yeah. like to see how other people like handle situations and be like, well, how would I react to that situation? Or like, yeah, right. I totally agree with this person or that person. Mm-hmm. And just like, yeah, like with 90 Day Fiance, like I, there's some scenes I'm like, there's no way this was not scripted. And I'm like, but I still love it. Like, <laughs> because it's just, it's, it's just enough. <laughs> honestly, from watching 90 Day Fiance and being from the reality show world, like I can definitely spot where they have really producer instigated some yeah. stuff. Like they definitely do like these jabs of like in these in these talking head interviews, mm-hmm. but some of it is legit real, I think. Like that they just find. Yeah, I mean I the people I like like you said, with the casting, I, they just casting, yeah. They it's all like for shows like that, it's all it's honestly all about casting. Cause there's been yeah. several like 90 day fiance shows that were prior, like you never see the couples again because they just yeah. weren't that interesting. They're, they're too happy and boring. <laughs> yeah, they're too which is fantastic for them, but yeah, but it's like, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to um, let me interview. That's good. So, yeah. <laughs> All right. That was an awesome interview. You did such a good job. Thank you. It was great having Rachel. She was a great person to interview. She made it very easy. <laughs> it sounds so, like it. Yeah. Sounds it was, like it was really great interview. having someone on the inside that can really just you know give you the straight up answers so i know you know it definitely sounds like it kind of varies from production to production but yeah um, you know if you find the right people you can definitely find find some drama that's for sure (laughs) i've (laughs) often wondered what i would be like if i was on tv you would be exactly what they want Sorry, sorry. I don't know if I should be insulted or complimented because I'm so entertaining. Because well, you, but no, you, I know what you, know, you, you say it how it is, kind of. Oh. oh yeah, sister. Oh yeah. Um, all I need to do is marry, marry a rich man, I guess. You know, so I can be on a Housewives or there you or go, some sort of a talent. Can have yes. a talent or an addiction. You know? Yeah, just just find something weird. You know, you, you know, could maybe, try the bee stings, but someone maybe I'll get that. super into the bee stinging, and then I can yes. be the the part two of the the bee sting thing. Um, right. So my, I'm addicted to podcasting right now. Yeah. Yes, every two weeks. <laughs> <laughs>
Um, so look us up on Facebook at the, uh, the, this is the part I don't get. Um, our Instagram is the part, uh, this is the part I don't get. I keep saying it wrong. I'm so terrible. It's well, just they all have different names. sharing our, our tags search here. part I don't get, you'll definitely get it. <laughs> this is the part I don't get on Facebook and Instagram. And if you have any things that you don't get, or if you feel like you would be a good interviewee, Yes. Wink, wink, wink. Email us at the part I don't get at gmail.com. And if you have something that would be um, interesting for us to talk about, and also, you know, if you know your fair share about this topic, maybe you're an expert and you want to share it with us, and then we could tape you. And put or if you're on. not an expert, but you know more than us, which. But you know more than us. Do. <laughs> then feel free to let us know. I love this door that we're opening. Yes. Um, where we can have other people tell us what's what. I mean, I like being an informer. Let's get yeah, real. Wikipedia can only take you so far, you know? <laughs> but, you know, I will absolutely bow down to people who know more than me, for sure. All right, everybody. Have an awesome two weeks. Happy I hope October. you enjoyed the podcast. Happy October.